David Spada is a successful attorney whose dream was to become a sports talk show host. Elliot Harris is a Chicago sports columnist who wanted to expand his media presence. In the next hour, they combine their talents and love of sports and women by interviewing former professional athletes and lovely ladies on sports and torts. But keeping the boys out of trouble isn't always easy because when David and Elliot are together, they have more fun than should be legal. You're listening to Sports and Torts. I'm David Spada here with Elliot Harris. Elliot... I don't want our listeners or viewers to freak out. There are girls here today, right? Visible woman in studio right now. You have to put on your 3D x-ray glasses, and she's here. No, we will be having three members of the Chicago Bandits who recently won the National Pro Fast Pitch Championship. Should be in studio shortly. And we hope to have on six-time All-Star, former manager of the White Sox, Blue Jays, Phillies, Jim Fergosi, and Rowan Heeman. You never know who we're going to have. Yeah, anybody else who wants to walk by the lovely studio here and uh, to sit down and chat for a little while, we'll be more than happy to. Maybe we'll grab Hub Arkish from the other studio where he's taped and say, Hub, could you help us out? A little pro football weekly? Why not? It's good to see that you're here, that you're going to move to Provo, Utah, as someone said on Facebook. I should move there? Someone recommended that when uh, our guest last week... Uh, Laria Daniels? Laria Daniels. The lovely Laria Daniels. The lovely Laria Daniels. Suggested she wanted to marry you, and someone said, uh, why don't you move to Utah, Elliot? Yeah. Well, if I messaged her back that I have to check with my wife first, and then she had to, she messaged me back that she'd have to check with her significant other. So it, it's probably not happening at, at least in this lifetime or at least on this planet. And but it I, is something to think about. Then I saw on Facebook, uh, what, April Rose uh, made some comment, uh, aren't I your girl or something like that? Oh, uh, and I, I had to assure her that indeed she is. I, I would never be unfaithful to April. It's amazing. You know, it, it's not an easy existence that some of us lead here, you know. My wife looked at my Facebook page and she Uh-oh. knows every day you, you got two. You're not in the doghouse? She looks and she goes, every day you have two different girls asking me your friends. I said, I don't know who these girls are. I just accept them. It's promote my business, promote the show. Sure, that's that's what you t- She believes that? I didn't think... <laughs> I didn't think she was anywhere that gullible. She's very trusting, which you need for a wife, you know. No, definitely. <laughs> but again, it's absolutely amazing, this whole Facebook phenomenon. Someone was telling me today with this whole earthquake yesterday that there was 3 million people who posted earthquake within five minutes. Could you, could you read what they were typing? <laughs> it might have been a little, a little shaken. And people were tweeting and Twittering and all that other stuff, too. Exactly. But let's get right to our next guest, the six-time All-Star, Gold Glove winner, former manager of the Angels, Phillies, Blue Jays, and our Chicago White Sox, Jim Fergosi. How are you doing, Jim? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. I hear you're scouting today. Well, I am doing that. I'm at the uh, ballpark in Tampa. The game's going to start in a very few minutes. So You call that work? Well, you know, it's a tough job, but somebody's <laughs> got to do it. I have to go to a baseball game almost every day. Oh. You know, it's a tough business. Man. So how'd you end up working for the Braves? You know, after uh, I left Toronto, I was uh, up for a couple managers' jobs, and uh, when they were all filled, John Sherholz called me and he said, uh, would you like to go to work for me? And I said, yes. 
And here it is 11 years later, and I'm still working there. So it's a great organization, great people to work for, and uh, they've had a lot of success, and it's uh, it's really nice to be part of it. Is Sherholtz still part of the Braves organization? Yes, he's the president of the team. Because there was some talk here that the club should go basic to the Braves and say, here, we want Jaron Sherholtz as our GM president. He is probably the best executive that I have ever come in contact with. He's a uh, he's got great people skills. He's a he's got a great brain. He's uh, knows how to get the most out of people. I think the world of John. He's a, a great guy. Yeah, I mean, you can be smart and still not be successful in baseball. How have the Braves managed to maintain that high level, you know, for basically decades? I think it's a combination of everything. I, it all starts with scouting, and that's getting the proper players into your organization. And then uh, player development. I think there's been a lot done. I think professional scouting has become a big part of every organization. And uh, when John first started, before uh, he turned it over to Frank Wren, uh, they have never, the Braves have never, ever uh, offered a player, a free agent, a no-trade contract. I think that keeps uh, everything in order where you can do things. If somebody doesn't work out, you're able to get rid of them, I think. No trade contracts somewhat uh, hurt a ball club, but they develop. They've signed a lot of high school players throughout their career, and, you know, they uh, have made a changeover through the years uh, and went in 14 straight divisional championships. I think they averaged, John averaged about 10 players a year that he changed off the major league roster. What do you think what's going on here in Chicago? I mean, the GM job is open, or president job might be open, or slash president GM. It looks like they might have a new manager next year. I mean, what would you do if you're running the Cubs? Well, you know, I don't like to get involved in, in running somebody else's organization. I I think that uh, Jim Henry is a very good friend of mine. Uh, Mike Quaddy uh, was a AAA manager at Philadelphia when I managed uh, the Phillies. So, I mean... You know, I don't like to get involved in other people's uh, problems or how they're going to run things. Uh, but, uh, you know, Chicago Cubs is a great franchise. It's a great city, and, you know, they deserve a winner. As long as they don't bring Hawk Harrelson as their GM, I think we'll be in good shape. <laughs> now, a, a lot of teams are going to using metrics and all this uh, computer stuff. Moneyball. Are you, are you a guy who buys into Moneyball, or are you a guy who says, I can see a player when I see him? Well, see, when Moneyball started, uh, I think on the base percentage was invented before that. In 1993, managing the Phillies, we were first in on-base percentage at seventh in the National League and hitting with runs, runners in scoring position, but we still scored more runs than anybody in the National League or in baseball. So I think it is a combination of things. Everybody that I know of in this industry uses statistics as part of it. 
I think the view and the experience of the people that are watching the player have a lot to do with it. I think it's a plan that you make that you use everything that is available to you to be able to make the right decision. Our guests later on in the show, Roland Heeman, I mean, I don't think he knew about sabermetrics, and he was successful with multiple organizations, the White Sox, the Orioles, and I think baseball should get back to that and say, listen, you could look at a player and see if he's good or bad. You don't need all these stats. Well, you know, it's all part of the overall picture. I think it's important to know statistics about a player. I think it's the most important thing is knowing what makes the individual tick and how he is going to fit on your 25-man roster, how he's going to fit in your organization. Personality-wise, how about how he goes about his business, what kind of player he is, how much of a teammate is he. I think all those things all come into the, the final decision. What John Sherholtz did and what Frank Wren does at Atlanta, he listens to his people and then he makes a final decision. As an advanced scout, are you able to find out what these players are like? I am really not an advanced scout. I am senior advisor player personnel. I see all 30 major league clubs play for strictly for trades and free agent signings. So I see everybody. And believe me, in this game, I've been around for 50 years. I know everybody. I know uh, people in the clubhouse. I know writers. I know coaches. I know managers. So part of my job is to learn and to know the personality of each player that we have made a decision that we might want to bring them in. For instance, I can give you an example. We made a trade this winter for Dan Uggla. Uggla started out awful this year. He was hitting 170. He wasn't hitting home runs. But we knew that sooner or later that he would come out of it. He never not ran a ball out. He always hustled, and he always gave us all. Right now he's got 30 home runs and the, the first second baseman in the history of the game to get 30-plus home runs his first five years in the big league. So you got to know about the personality and the makeup of the individual. I'll tell you what, that bullpen the Braves had is incredible in the back end with Venners and Kimbrell. I mean, it's the best I've seen probably since the Reds with the Nasty Boys with Dibble and Charlton. Well, I go back a little further than that. Uh, you know, I would go back to Pittsburgh when they had Terry Forster and Goose Dossage and, and Kent DeCulvey and Grant Jackson. These young players that we have in our organization, uh, there's another, there's O'Flaherty that's in that group, and there's a young pitcher that we just brought up by the name of Vizcaino who throws 100 miles an hour. Uh, it is It is close to the best young bullpen I have ever seen. They have uh, done a marvelous job for us, and they're great kids. And, and the, you know, the retirement of Bobby Cox, you'd hardly know he's gone from the dugout as manager. Well, you know, Bobby, Freddie Gonzalez worked for Bobby Cox, and they are live right down the street from each other. They have coffee in the mornings. They are the best of friends. I think it was a wonderful choice to bring Freddie in to manage the club. Bobby needs some time. I mean, he's at the age now. He should uh, 
sniff the roses a little bit and enjoy his summers with his family and, and grandkids. And I just think he's great that he's still part of the organization and what a wonderful guy and man he was. And he's a future Hall of Famer. What about you? You're 69. Are you ready to go back in the dugout or you like being I'm, in the front office? I'm way too young. <laughs> That's what, Jack Mc... on the field. That's what Jack McKeon said to you, right? Matt McKeon, at 80, is doing a good job in Florida. And I, at 69, I'm just way too young to go back on the field. So in another 10 trying... years or so, you'll be ready? Yeah, about 10 years. I, you know, I, I should be ready. I want to go to your point career with the Angels. I mean, you were with the Angels, right, basically when they first started. What was it like, basically, going to L.A., California Angels and playing out there? Well, you know, I was signed originally by the Boston Red Sox, and I went in the first expansion draft, you know, to go to to California, where I was born and raised, and going back to the Los Angeles area with Gene Autry as an owner. It was really kind of a thrill for me. And, you know, to be able to play on a major league level at 19 years old and be part of a new franchise, uh, you know, we go back where... Myself, Bobby Knopp, and Buck Rogers, we used to sell season tickets during the offseason, and we really felt like that was our family, the organization, the Angel organization. Who was the best pitcher you ever went up against? Well, you know, the best or the toughest on me, uh, I thought Jim Bunning from the right side was as tough a pitcher on me, him and Earl Wilson, who was at Boston. And probably left-handed, the guy with the best stuff was uh, Sutton Sam McDowell, who uh, who had let the league in strikeouts every year, probably had as good as stuff. And, of course, facing Sandy Koufax and Don Drysdale was no cup of tea. And you had a pretty good pitcher who was a teammate, and you also managed him, Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan... Uh, was probably the greatest power pitcher that ever played the game. I mean, when you talk about keeping your fastball, uh, his mechanics, his work ethics uh, were just outstanding. But for somebody to keep their fastball as long as he did, it's it's an amazing story. Now, what was it like going from the West Coast with the Angels to the East Coast with the Mets in New York? Well, you know, it was a difficult transition for me because, you know, I've always been part of the Angel organization, and uh, to leave, I never thought I would ever leave that organization. But we didn't have, uh, as players, did not have the protection of no-trade contracts or five- and ten-year contracts, uh, ten years in the major leagues, five years with the same club. So they could just do what they wanted with you, and, Really, there was no free agency then, so you couldn't uh, pick the spot you wanted to go to. I probably would not have picked playing for the Mets. Uh, I would have probably planned to played someplace else if the Angels did not want me, if I had any say-so in it. And then you went to the White Sox as a manager in the mid-'80s. I mean, what was that like working for Jerry Reinsdorf? And I think, again, uh, their broadcaster was their GM the one year in 87. Well... Jerry Reinstorf is one of the best owners that I ever worked for. Uh, he understands the game. He likes the game. He's He probably treats his people that work for him and their organization better than any other organization in baseball. 
He's got a great deal of loyalty to the people that work for him. So it was a very enjoyable time for me. Uh, the only problem I, I really ever had was uh, with the general manager, Larry Hines. Was Larry a tough guy to work for? Why, well, yeah, I thought he was the most difficult guy in the world to work for. He had his own way. He had a little different philosophy about Major League Baseball. And we just didn't see eye to eye on about a lot of things. With the Cubs now, a lot of it, like you mentioned earlier, these no trade clauses. The Cubs GM kind of put him in a pickle because he gave all these guys no trade clauses, long-term contracts, and he basically tied the hands of himself the last couple of years with the new ownership because he couldn't do anything. Do you think the new GM is going to have to have free reign and say, listen, I'm going to run it my way, tell Ricketts, and that's it, and there's no no trade clauses, there's no long-term contracts? I'm going to build well, from know, within? The one, the one thing that you have to remember, the man with the gold makes the golden rules. As an owner of a major league team, you should have the right to set some policies. The general manager should be allowed to handle the baseball thing, but he should also enforce the policies of the ownership. I mean, if the owner wants to go sign somebody, you should try to get that player signed. Uh, I don't believe in giving extremely long contracts, and I don't believe in no trade contracts, but that's me personally. Now, you went from playing career to managerial, big league managerial career. Do you think that's good, bad, or doesn't matter? Well, I went, uh, I was playing one day and I managed the next. Uh, so it was a difficult transition for me because of the reason that I went back to California where I knew everybody. I knew all the writers. I knew the players. I knew the area, and the toughest part of it for me was the friendships I had. Everybody thought they could manage the club better than me. Uh, but I, after I left there and got fired by Buzzy Pacey, I went back to the minor leagues and learned more about my profession as far as a manager is concerned. And I spent four years in AAA managing there and for the St. Louis Cardinals. And I enjoyed that. I learned about what it takes to manage and what it takes to handle people. And uh, really, Billy Reed, a, a writer for the Louisville Courier at that time, helped me as far as trying to uh, understand what the press's job is and how to handle those kind of things as far as Major League Baseball is concerned. A lot was made with Detroit when they heard Alan Trammell. Basically, he was a fan favorite. He failed with the Tigers. And in Chicago, they were afraid to hire Ryan Sandberg, some people said, because if he failed, you'd basically lose him from the organization. Well, they've lost him from the organization. He's managing AAA for the Phillies. So you don't think he'd come back and manage the Cubs if they offered it to him? Well, I'm certain if he, he wants to manage in the Major Leagues, he did a fine job at the morning. He's doing a fine job uh, at Lehigh Valley right now. Uh, so he deserves and probably will get an opportunity to manage very soon. The biggest travesty is that you're not in the Hall of Fame. I don't get it. Well, you know, it's a whole different thing that playing and managing basically on the West Coast 
when I played, they never even had the box scores in the New York papers. So it was a definite advantage for somebody playing on on the East Coast as opposed to the West Coast. But I uh, I have been fortunate enough to have been in the game for 50-some years. Uh, as an old saying, the game's been very, very good to me. I have a great deal of loyalty to the people that I work for. I enjoy the game still, and I enjoy the camaraderie of the people on and off the field that I know in the American and National League. Thank you very much for your time, Mr. Fergosi. It was a pleasure talking to you. All right. Take care. Thanks. You, you too. too. That was Jim Fergosi. The insight was absolutely incredible yeah. here. Pretty smart guy. Knows a lot of baseball, seen a lot of baseball. Well, let's take a short break. When we come back, we're going to have three beautiful women who not only look good, they know a lot about baseball. and Softball. Soft baseball. I call everything baseball. It's, they, a, it's a round ball that's played with a bat. Exactly. They know a lot it's about thrown softball. underhand. And they just won a championship, I believe, right? Correct. Very good. You see, I know my sports. I read my Facebook. Everything. Stay tuned. You're listening to Sports and Torts here on TalkZone.com.